To God be the glory, great things he has done. I hope you believe that in your hearts and in your lives today. As I mentioned at the, uh, the beginning of our gathering here today, we are online only. And for those of you that uh, find it easier, I should have mentioned this at the get-go, uh, we are actually streaming on YouTube now. So I know some of you find that easier to get it up on your television screens or to access it rather than accessing it through Facebook. And so uh, if that's something that's helpful to you, uh, use it to your benefit. I also want to say this, that during these days that uh, we're not able to gather in person here, to be using the, the message and the comment option uh, during our gathering to interact with one another. I know for some of you, uh, you don't, you're not in the habit of, of doing that, uh, but uh, it's, it's a great way for us to connect with one another when we can't be in person uh, like we would uh, so love to be. And so that's uh, something I want you to do. I want, also want to stress and you'll hear me do this different times through the course of these next few days, that if you need to reach out, that you would do that, whether it's through the messaging app, or whether it's through Facebook Messenger, or whether it's through email, or whether it's through um, uh, whatever way that you're used to getting a hold of us uh, here, the, the landline, uh, whatever the case may be, we'd love to be able to reach out uh, to you during uh, these days. We're beginning a brand new series Today, which I think is fitting in light of everything that's happened this week. And for those of you that are here in Nova Scotia, I just want to say thank you. Kudos, hats off to you, the way that you have pivoted and adjusted last minute to so many different changes throughout the course of this week. And I just want to give a huge shout out to our students, uh, to our to our school teachers and to administrators. Uh, right across our province that have uh, pivoted and, and, and I don't want to miss it all of this to you parents that are figuring out how to do the online learning thing. I'm, I'm just curious how many parents or how many of you that are looking after the online learning portion uh, for your students at some point this week had to Google how do I use a Chromebook. Chromebooks have been the, is the, the way that uh, so many kids are accessing uh, school these days. And so I'm curious, you can uh, type that in, uh, maybe a thumbs up on the, on the comment app or whatever you want to do and say, I did, or maybe you still haven't figured it out or whatever the case may be. But, but hats off to all of you, parents, students, teachers, support staff, uh, janitors, heads, uh, just, uh, just a whole crew of people that are, are going above and beyond in these last few days to uh, to make sure that our kids are getting looked after. Deep clean. I want to get to our message today before I ramble on about uh, different things. These those were important things, so it's not really rambling on. But I want to speak. I want to begin this series in deep clean, talking about. I have a sense. I have a feel that every once in a while, uh, there's this term that we use in technology. Just. There we go. That drives me, if there's, there's a few things that drive me absolutely crazy. One of them is when you're driving and there's a little rattle in the car. The other is with this microphone that I have. If it's touching my face, uh, banging on it while I talk, it just, it, I can't focus and concentrate. So I got that fixed, so we're ready to go. Deep clean. So this idea, I'm having a, a, a just a, trying to get my brain focused here moment. This term that we use uh, that has become common in technology 
When we think about our computer systems needing a deep clean to get rid of all the crud, to get rid of all the garbage, to get rid of all the things that's, that's helping, that's causing our, our processor and our computers and our phones and our, and our tablets or whatever technology thing that you're using, that's causing it to slow down and to not work as effectively as what it was created to work. And I want to I want to use that today. I want to use that for these next four weeks to talk about some things in our lives that we need to clean out so that we can operate, so we can live the way that God has called us to ever live. Have we ever done? I want to get right to it today. So some hard questions as we jump off here. And this idea, and if you're tracking with me, um, the, the title of the message is Healing from Shame. And just so, because we're getting into the habit of doing just online again, the bulletin is still available electronically on our website, havelockwesleyan.ca. And you can use that to track the message and the message notes and the talk about it section that's there, and I would encourage you to do that. Have you ever done something that you're deeply ashamed of? Like, let's just be really real here today. Have you ever done something that, you've, that you're so ashamed of and feel so much shame of that you hope that maybe nobody knows about it right now, or maybe just a few people know about it, but you hope nobody was to find out about that. Maybe you've confided in that to a spouse or to a counselor before what that thing is. Why do I push? Why, 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 why do I do the things that I do? Maybe, maybe you need to, to discover who you are and, and why it is that, that you feel about certain people the way that you feel about certain people. And, and I want to talk to us today about this idea of shame because I think so much of who we are and what drives us at, our, at, at every level is driven by this idea of shame. If you ever find yourself haunted or tormented or plagued with the identity of who you are and, and this emotion of shame, my, my prayer is this, that, that the, the power of, of Jesus and the power that, that raised him from the dead would empty you of those feelings and those things and that we could have healing from our shame. And what's interesting about we talk about sometimes in the church, we talk about healing a lot in the physical sense. And, and I'll make this argument every every day for as long as I live. A healing from, from some physical thing is, is always temporary. One day, pending the return of Jesus, we will all die of some physical issue. But this healing of shame that can take place can be something that will be that is eternal and will last into eternity. And so I want to pray with you today as we jump off the cliff, what it might seem like on this thinking of how do I heal from the shame that I feel in my heart and life. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the fact that the tomb is empty. You are not on the cross. You are not in the tomb. That you are now seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And Father, that you can help us to be healed from our shame. And I ask that you would help us to do that. And these things I ask in your name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, your tablets or your phones, that you have them open. I just want to look at this verse before we get to our text. Our text is going to be a little different passage from this. But I want us to see this verse this morning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It says this, Adam and his wife 
were both naked and they felt no shame. Why is that important? I want us to see that before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and they were banished from the Garden and sin entered the world, that they lived a life with no shame. That that was part of the awesomeness of creation. That we could live our lives free from shame. It's, it, it was amazing that, that the writer here in Genesis says that they were, they were naked and they felt no shame. What's interesting here is the moment they sinned, they felt shame. If we read that entire passage of scripture, I would encourage you to do that. If you haven't done that before, even if you have to reread it. But the moment they sinned, immediately shame entered in to mankind and into our world. Guilt and shame, I just want to touch on this for a moment, because oftentimes we confuse these terms, and, and, and we, we think they're the same, but they're not. And we're not talking about guilt today, we're talking about shame, because here's the difference. Guilt believes, I did something bad. Guilt says, I did something that I need repent for, and maybe you're in that boat today, and you need to repent for something that you did, and you feel guilt for that. But that is different than what I want us to talk about today. Shame is something completely different. Shame is this. Shame believes I am bad. And shame takes the things that we've done, and even after we've sought forgiveness from people and from, from God, shame is the, is the thing that the enemy uses to destroy our minds so that we walk around thinking, I am bad, There's, uh, I'll never be able to do anything of value and of worth. It's who I am. I'm defined by that thing that I did. And God says, no, you're not. You are forgiven. But the devil, the enemy, if he can get us to feel shame for those things, he's won a great battle. We feel guilty for what we did. And that is something that God uses to bring us to a place of repentance. But we feel ashamed for who we are. And in the kingdom of God, one of the great gifts that he gives to us when we come to him and we receive his gift of salvation is that we can walk and live shame-free. Brene Brown, uh, she's uh, phenomenal in some of her teaching on being vulnerable and some leadership stuff. And I, I, love, I love her writings. I love her TED Talks. But she said this a few years ago. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And then she goes up, went on to say, I went too far there, I want you to see what she said. There we go. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. I want to read that to you again by Brene. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something, uh, something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. What Brene is saying here, that if we don't deal with the shame issue, we will always feel, I don't deserve to be loved. 
And you will struggle with relationship after relationship when somebody genuinely comes along and says to you, I, I love you for who you are. I, I love you despite your flaws. I, I love you despite the fact that, that you let me down. And we will struggle with that if we don't deal with the shame issue. You say, you have no idea what it might be that you've done. It's, it's your secret to tell. It may be debt. It may be a sexual past. It may be a sexual present. It may be addiction. It may be something you did years ago. It may be something you're doing now. It may be something that you battled with years ago. It may be something that you battled with, you're battling with now. And the enemy, if he can get us to begin thinking in this shame idea that, he, that what we think, I'm defective, I'm damaged, I'm broken, I'm flawed, I'm dirty, I'm ugly, I'm impure, I'm disgusting. And the devil may have been whispering those things for you, to you for years. And I want you to hear, not just because it's my words, but because God declares this. That as he whispers those things, that you, as the enemy whispers, you are unlovable, you are weak, you are pitiful, you are insignificant, you are unworthy, and you are unwanted. That if the devil is saying those things to you, hear from me, God is saying the opposite. I remember having a, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a number of years ago, who was a school teacher too, so she knew how to use good grammar, but sometimes would use bad grammar to drive a point home. And I remember her constantly saying over and over and over again, God don't create no junk. And we might need to be reminded today that God don't create no junk. My apologies to all my education friends out there. So I'll correct the statement. God did not and does not create junk. There we go. It's grammatically correct. I want us to see what shame-based thinking does if we walk around and we don't deal with this idea and this thing of shame. Shame will say we are vulnerable to perfectionism. We attempt to silence our shame with perfect performance and find it difficult to admit failure. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're, you're going, why do I battle with this idea of perfectionism so much that something is never done and you're constantly beating yourself up over, I, I wish I had done this and I wish I had done that. And then, to push it a little further, we find it really difficult to say, I, I was wrong. And I, this isn't a, a, a woe is me that we walk around every single day and say, oh, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just wrong. No, nobody ever listens to me. I'm just... I'm just a bad person. Not really that type of thinking. But I'm talking about we struggle with a genuine forgiveness of saying, I'm going to own this. This was my fault. I was wrong. And I'm going to move in a different direction. You know what? We will never get to a place of not having to do that. I, I, I've been a pastor for, for just a little over 20 years. And last week, I had to stand right here. I had to stand before my board, just in case you think, well, what huge issue did you have to confess to? It wasn't, it wasn't a huge issue. But I had made a mistake in how I handled something, and I, I believe with all my heart would have been much different and better if I had have handled it the right way the first time. But I caved to public opinion. And I had to say, I'm, I'm sorry. I failed. 
And I had to admit that. And I'm not saying that I never battle with shame thing. Here's the, here's the thing. I, I think it's something that everybody battles with on some level. That we're not good enough or we're not smart enough. Somebody else could do a better job. And this isn't about having the correct humility, but this is genuinely thinking. And being so ashamed of who we are. Another byproduct of, of this shame-based thinking is we are critical of others, which drives us to be sorry, we are critical of ourselves, which drives us to become critical of others. My, my guess is this, and this is just this is just my own, I don't my own thoughts, and I don't have any statistics to back this up, but working with people and doing what I've done for so many years, I have discovered that those that are most critical of others are many times most critical of themselves, but they just don't admit it. If you begin to break away all of the things and all of the stuff that they struggle with, and get away from, and, um, take away all of those layers, you discover a person that is deeply critical of themselves when they're deeply critical of others, because it makes them, for the moment, feel a little bit better for, uh, for themselves if they're criticizing others. Shamed people shame people. Shamed people shame people. It's a byproduct and we can't help but do it. If we're feeling shamed, we want others to feel the shame that we do. We hate in others the very sin that we see in ourselves when this isn't dealt with. Number three. My clicker's working here. We use self-defeating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. We use self-defeating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. We focus on the worst possible outcome, sabotaging opportunities and relationships. Reject, fail, death. Reject, fail, death. That all of those, that, that, that life is just a cycle. And we're constantly, we want to shield ourselves. And so we, we do everything that we can to protect ourselves against disappointment. And we use these self-defeating thoughts that I'm not good enough to be in a relationship with that, that person. I'm not good enough to be friends with them. I'm not good enough to have that job. I'm not good enough to do whatever it is that you're doing. Shame might cause one parent to, to lash out for no apparent reason. While the other parent uh, uses addictions and, and disengages, shame drives uh, in-laws to criticize parenting sometimes. You, know, you may become uh, hypocritical of others and hypocritical of self. Shame just causes us to put these, these, these things in that if, if, if we've been part of this, if these things have been part of our lives, we use shielding mechanism so that we won't be disappointed. And so I don't know what's driving your shame. I don't know what might be stealing your joy or robbing the life that God wants us wants you to have and wants me to have. But whatever it is that's driving that shame, the good news is that we don't have to live that way any longer. That if, if, if you're sensing and feeling that today and wondering if, if people really knew who I was, they would not like me. If people really knew who I was, they would not come to me and, and, and ask me the things that they ask me. But it doesn't have to be this way. And you may be battling and saying, how do I fix this problem? And there's all kinds of self-help books. And there's all kinds of TED Talks. And there's all kinds of, 
of really wonderful people that might give you great insight into how this, how to do this. But the truth of the matter is, you can't do it by yourself. The dominant shame-based belief says this, I am not enough. I need something more. I need something else. I need someone else. I'm constantly wanting more. And if, if the enemy can get us to believe that, he will stop us from being who God has called us to be. Maybe you think, I have to work to prove my worth. I need to have good grades so I can feel valued. I need to be good at sports so I can feel honored. I need to... I need to do something to justify all of the things that I've done. And that is shame-based thinking that drives us. Now, there is nothing wrong with striving to be the best at what God has called you to be. But if the reason driving that is you're saying, I am not good enough unless I do this, you will never be satisfied. You, you will achieve all of the things that life has to offer and still not be satisfied if the driving factor is, I am not good enough. And it doesn't matter what level you might rise to in leadership and how many things that you might be accomplished. You still can't fix everything and you can't be everywhere and you can't be everything. And that stuff might beat you up. How do I do that? You may face disappointment after disappointment and, and beating yourself up and saying, I am bad. And the truth is actually, without Christ you are. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Are we inadequate? Yes, we're inadequate without the power of the Holy Spirit uh, living in our lives. And I'm not trying to be rude, but sometimes we do respond in ways that aren't Christ-like and Christ-filled. Even those of us that are followers of Jesus. And as long as we are focused on me, and as long as you are focused on you, you will never be enough. God's people had been in slavery for 430 years. They had all of that gener those generations after generations had been born a slave. They believed they were nothing but a slave. They believed they were worthless. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, they believed the lie that they were just a slave. But God raised this man called Moses up. Remember the phrase from the movie, let my people go. And many times we think in that story of Moses delivering the Egyptians that it was the physical uh, deliverance that what really mattered. But I think it was the emotional deliverance that really made the difference that they were finally free. And there's so many of us today in our culture and in our world that are living in bondage and living in slavery to what other people are saying about you and other people are saying to you. And I want you to hear my heart today that you don't have to live like that any longer. That however many years that you've lived under that, that there is a way through that and God wants to heal you. And so if you hear nothing else that I've said today, hear this and see this. The only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I'm not to who Christ is. To change our way of thinking, to change our way of talking and saying, it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about what the things I can't do and the things that I have done, but it's what Christ has done in me. And though we have been forgiven by Christ, we can sometimes live in this shame-based thinking. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to deliver you from that. Now, if you're watching today and you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the first step. To be delivered by shame-based thinking. 
To say, I am yours, I can't do this on my own, I, I'm tired of battling through the things on my own. So would you step in and ask him to forgive you from the things that you've done, those things that you feel guilt over. And know that as you do that, you will no longer have to feel shame over those things. But for those of you that have already done that, that are living as followers of Jesus, you are still believing a lie that the enemy is telling you. If, we, if you're still living in this shame-based thinking, I'm not trying to be hard on you. Please understand my heart. I just desire so much that you would be able to live in the freedom that God has called you to believe. Because you are still believing you are something that God says you are not. You are putting your words over the words of God. What does Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, which was really our text for today. It says this, for the joy set before him, he, meaning Jesus, endured on the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. He was hated, and he was despised, and he went through all of those things that he went through. Why? So he could scorn shame, and he could scorn shameful thinking, and he could throw that back at the enemy, and throw that back at the devil, and say, the old devil, you might be telling me something that I am, and my past is defining me, and all that garbage, and all those lies. But Jesus came to deliver us from that type of sinful thinking. From the beginning of time, God has desired to scorn the shame. The shame of whatever it is that people have done for all time. To take that shame away in the same way Jesus scorns the shame that crushes our soul and kills our joy. And so he despises the shame of our lives. The, the hidden things that we have going on in our lives and in our hearts, our, our deeper secrets and our darkest hurts, all of those things that the enemy is trying to use to destroy us and keep us from being who God has called us to be. Jesus wants to scorn those, sh those shameful thoughts and those shameful things. Me on my own, I, I, I can't fix. I can't fix me. You can't fix you. And if we don't deal with this, we will always believe that, that we are never enough. There will always be something else that we need to do as, as pastors. If you're, if you're watching, I can, I can speak directly into this. If we don't deal with the shame issue, whatever church we go to, it'll never be good enough. It'll never be big enough. It'll never be whatever word enough. We'll always be looking for something more. And I'm not saying this is easy because it's so hard in the world of social media and all those things to be looking and comparing at others and others' lives. But on the cross, Jesus looked shame straight in the eyes and said, I despise you. You are nothing to me. Jesus would say these words, my father sent me to seek and to save the lost. I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the sinners. And, I, and to give life as a ransom for many. And that's why shame, you have no power. Compared to the joy set before me, shame, you are nothing. Shame, you can't distract me. Shame, you can't discourage me. Shame, you can't defeat me. Shame, you are finished. When Jesus died on the cross and Jesus looked up to the heavens at that moment and said, into your hands I commit 
myself. And the only way to heal from shame is to move from the focus of me to the cross. Because that's where shame was defeated. So often I give you fill in the blanks. I give you fill in the blanks. Sorry I didn't finish that passage of scripture there from Hebrews chapter 2. But you see the, the rest of it there. I give you fill in the blanks of, of I, I, want, I give you the words to put in there, but I want to do something different as I conclude today. I want you to think about this, and I want you to fill in the blanks. You can do this verbally. If you're brave enough and you want to do this, you can type this in. You can type one of them, but not the other. It doesn't matter to me, but I want you to think about this, because here's what I know. That when we encounter Jesus and we focus, take the focus off me and focus on him, these are some of the things that he says, and this might, this is the kinds of things I want us to think about. That we say, I am not horrible. Because of Christ, I am forgiven. I am not sick. Because of Jesus, because of Christ, I am healed. I am not broken. Because of Jesus, I am whole. I am not unwanted. Because of Jesus, I am loved. I am not enough, but Christ in me is more than enough. I want to take, I want you to take your blank and I want you to write in there the, the, the lie that the enemy is telling you and say, I am not that anymore. Because of Jesus, I am this, whatever the opposite of what that might be. Remember the Israelites, 430 years of shame out of slavery. Shame of slavery wasn't out of them. They lived with that mentality for so many years, even though, even though God had delivered them. They were no longer in slavery. They continued. If you were to follow their story, they still continued with the mindset of a slavery mindset. And church and oh, brother and sister, follower of Jesus, God does not want us to live with a mindset of shame any longer. I want us to read and see this story just in Joshua. This is the last text that I give you today, Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, and this is a reminder that they were still living in a slave mentality. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. No more shame. Someone said, shame on you today. God says, shame off you. Today, God wants to roll away the shame in your heart and life. You can't fix everything. But we can preach and we can talk Jesus crucified and risen. No, we can't fix everything. But we can speak and talk about what Jesus has done in our heart and life. And because of Jesus, you are worthy of love. The cross was for you. The cross was for me. Jesus walked through time. And he saw you today. Knowing that he endured the sin and the shame of the cross... And that he could have been free. He looked at that and said, I will do this so he can be free from shame. And to give us joy. And the joy set before him. And he endured the cross, scorning shame, so he could tell you, you are not what you did. You are not what you do. You are not what someone did to you. You are not what others think of you. You are not who you think you are. You are who Jesus says. You are. Father God, today, there are so many. Father, that battle this idea and this thought of shame. And Father, as heartbreaking as what it might be for me, it is exponentially more heartbreaking for you. 
So, Father, I pray and I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the power of the cross that, Lord, that people would sense and know and feel that you are for them, you are not against them. God, if there is somebody that is watching that needs to begin that journey by accepting you into their life and by receiving forgiveness, Father, I pray that they would do that. And so, God, for whatever is said and done, we want to bring glory and honor to your name. Father, speak to hearts and lives. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. God bless you. If you need to reach out for prayer, if you need to reach out for anything at all, please do that. Please don't walk through whatever it is that you're walking through. Walk through these challenging days on your own. We are in this together. God is for us. He's not against us. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series. There we go. Hope that you'll join us as we continue our series next week. And we talk about when God doesn't make sense. God bless you. It's been great to connect with you today in this week.